my name is Olivia and I intern at the Health and Wellness Center at Stonehill College and today I'm here with Professor Turner from the psychology department and we're going to talk about some mental health stuff. So Professor Turner, if you would love to um, go and introduce yourself. Hello, I am Professor Turner. I am an assistant professor in the psychology department here at Stonehill College. I am also the director for clinical training and I am responsible for the psychology, health science, and neuroscience students that are interested in internships. I have my PhD from Wichita State University uh, in clinical psychology, and that is my first passion, is just being a psychologist and doing individual therapy in groups with children and adolescents. And I've done my training, per se, in mostly children and trauma. So I did my formal internship at UMass Memorial Hospital in Worcester, and then I did my postdoc at Children's Hospital in Boston. So that's me. I've been really all about kind of health and wellness and, and children and adolescents and focusing in on trauma. Yeah, some important stuff yeah. that we definitely need to address. Um, as a psychology student, I've taken a multicultural psychology yes, with you have. Turner. Definitely take it if you can. It's a wonderful class. I was so excited <laughs> to teach it. And what people don't know about that class is my first semester here, um, you know, there's not a lot of diversity on campus, especially mm-hmm. diversity in the sense of faculty members. And so some of the diverse students uh, in the psych department and actually neuroscience department came to me and said, you know, we really need more representation within the psych department. And it just so happens that the psych department, I re- I think, just had recently had like kind of an audit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that had come back as ways to introduce um, maybe more diversity and inclusion within the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So when the students came to me and said that they wanted something like that, it was just easy to figure out, okay, how do I do this? How can I create this class? And my department was so supportive. Um, I really wouldn't be here if my department wasn't as supportive um, as they are. So it was awesome. Once the students said that they wanted it, it was it was something that was just necessary to do anyway. And it, it's really fun. I, it definitely overlaps with mental health for yeah. me in many ways. So yeah. A lot to learn. Lots yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so jumping right in, how did you become interested in mental health and psychology? Okay, so I thought about this because I did have access to the questions early and I was looking through them and I was super excited because I think that for this first question, it really happened for me in high school. And I don't think that that happens often. And I try to be mindful when I'm talking to students about like their love and their passion um, and ways to explore it, because I know I'm a little bit of, of an anomaly in the sense that like I knew in high school. My first introduction to psych came in high school when we take like our intro to psych classes, our general psych classes, I just fell in love with it. And I knew from growing up in Roxbury and in Boston that I wanted to do more for my community. And it was through the help and, and guidance of my grandmother, my aunts and uncles, family members that I had that like kind of worked in um, crisis centers, worked as a social worker. My grandmother's a retired social worker from DCF. Um, wow. So it was through their guidance that they were like, you know, can you not do social work? Because we want you to make some money. And I was like, what? What do you Thank mean? You. <laughs> and they were like, we really want you to have kind of some more doors open for you. So look at psych. And so your grandmother tells you what to do and you kind of just do it, right? So when she told me that, I did the research and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a PhD. I had no idea what that meant when I said that out loud uh, as a high school student. But what I did know is that 
I wanted to be able to be as the most use for my community mm-hmm. and stopping at a masses wasn't going to do that for me mm-hmm. and my goals. And I wanted to, I had this idea that if I had a PhD, I would be able to sit in a room and be heard mm-hmm. and that the color of my skin wouldn't close doors for me, that the actual level of education that I had would open more doors and that me being educated would make people listen. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you, this is not always the case, right? I had to learn uh-huh. that the hard way. Uh-huh. But I don't regret the degree and the path, but it was a long process to kind of get there and learn the kind of pitfalls along the way, especially because I went to the Midwest to get mm-hmm. this degree. So that in itself came with a, a whole host of its yes. own issues and challenges. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely... Yeah, I'm here, right? I'm here and I'm happy to be here. And it definitely, for me, um, that interest and love and passion of helping people understand their mental health, the love of psychology started in high school for me. Yeah, I remember like taking AP psychology in my senior year, and that's like when it clicked for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay, so as a psych professor and clinical psychologist, do you feel it is important for students to have an open, open conversation about mental health? So, yeah, so the easy answer is yes. I feel it is very important for students to have open dialogue about mental health and the importance of understanding our mental health. But I really think we we as a as a college if we're talking about Stonehill College mm-hmm. we will do a disservice if we put the ownership on students if on the back end administrators faculty and staff aren't normalizing the need for a conversation about mental health mm-hmm. we can't expect students to jump in and do that work if faculty within their classes don't acknowledge that sometimes students need a mental health day just like faculty take their mental health day right I take mine when I need them. If administrators don't put money behind programming that helps the campus, like the Jed Foundation, come to our campus and do a sweep and do a survey to see what's the mental health climate here and what what do we need to change? What do we need to implement? Where do we need to put money to make change happen for how students, staff, faculty as am- and administrators see mental health on campus? It's not just the students. So it's not fair to say, okay, it's not fair to answer the question just for the students because if it doesn't start on this campus and it doesn't become normalized that we have to talk about this and this is a part of our daily living, this is something we all go through all not some people, not a subset of us, all of us go through this. Mm-hmm. All of us have days where we feel down. All of us have days where we feel anxious. All of us, right now, it's yeah. okay. It's final week. It's, it's, it's finals <laughs> week. It is now. We're recording this. This is, this is getting ready. We've got days. We are mm-hmm. counting down till finals. That means everyone's in this, this library mm-hmm. working on papers, being anxious about, okay, what am I going to get? What's that final grade going to be? Mm-hmm. Everyone's at teachers' office hours. Like, okay, can I get some extra credit? Can I do this? Can I do that? Like, there is an abundance of mental health on our campus right now and campus wide because we're getting into a season of really needing to buckle down the study to get the final grade. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to recognize that. Yeah. It's not students that need to normalize that on their own, it is this college normalizing that so students kind of can take a deep breath and say, okay, yes. Yeah. It becomes a a simple conversation as, okay, did you go to your PCP appointment? It should just be as easy as that. Yearly, you're going to a PCP appointment, right? Like you go and check your medical body. You check your body with a medical provider. No one says anything about it because it's normalized. But 
we need to do a better job at normalizing the mental health piece of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like also I've heard so many stories of like RAs like Yes, they get the brunt end of that, huh? And they don't have all the training they should have. Or training. You say all the training. We've talked to some we've talked about this issue. You bringing it up and you know we've talked about this in multicultural psych Mm -hmm. that, you know, some of the RAs just in our class, um have mentioned just feeling, especially when specific issues happen on our campus. Mm -hmm. When things happen on our campus, there's then this overwhelming feeling of needing to support, but we forget that the RAs are students too. Mm -hmm. They're students. Yeah, not all psych majors. And they're not all psych majors, and they shouldn't really feel that they have to be that level of mental health support for the students in the dorms. I think that there's some level of training of, okay, how to have those difficult conversations mm-hmm. um, and who to get them to, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But them being the front line for some of this stuff is not, I don't think it's a, the Stonehill intent, yeah. right? Like I don't hear that in meetings that that's our intent, but that actually is what happens. Yeah. 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 And we have like the stress relief week, we have the health and wellness. Yes, we do. We so many lovely Yeah. In the beginning day. of the year, Fresh Check Day, I make that mandatory for my students to attend. There's there's so many things that um, the health and wellness department offers and trainings that they mm-hmm. offer um, that I think are very useful. And it's only through promoting them in your classes as a faculty member that students understand these these additional resources there for them. Mm-hmm. I've spoken to faculty and they didn't even know what health and wellness was. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, what? You don't know? Like, please, this is, yeah. it's not just about the mental health, but but nutritional support, right, mm-hmm. that some of these students need. Like, that's really coming out of that department and it's it's necessary. Mm. So sort of bridging that, like, uh, there's obviously cer- certain mental health issues like depression, anxiety, maybe suicide, uh, suicidal ideation that are common for people around our age. And um, what do they look like and what are some symptoms? It's tough because they're very different. And I think that this is when you want to be mindful of culture as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to. I'm going to answer the question because that's what I came to do. But I also want to preface this that that at the end of of what to be mindful for as a student is listening to this. So overall, I think if we're talking to the college student population, things like uh, feeling hopelessness, excessive worry, guilt, avoidance, procrastination, changes in sleep and eating patterns, social isolation, uh, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, decreased energy, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. These things are the things that you're looking for as a change in pattern in your friend, in yourself, in, in your roommate. Um, and, and it's not to say they're diagnosed with anxiety. Uh-huh. It is not to say they are diagnosed with depression. It's to say, are they struggling? Is there a mental health, quote unquote, concern that you want to talk to that person about? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I noticed, you know, you haven't really showered in the last couple of days. I noticed that you're not really eating. I noticed that you're not engaged in the same activities that you once were engaged in. If that's your friend, being able to have that open dialogue that says, listen, I care about you and I'm noticing this shift. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing these behaviors. There's a lot of times as students that you're just not comfortable with that conversation, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not promoting that these signs and symptoms as your job to go and investigate this either. As a student, when you see those signs and symptoms that I've identified, I think it's it's worthy to maybe 
speak to your RA and say, okay, what can I do? Where's the resources on campus? How do I get this person um, or to encourage them to go to counseling services? Mm -hmm. How do I encourage them to have a dialogue with their parents or their family and friends and loved ones about kind of what they're going through? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that our students need to take that on for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that that puts a lot, especially this time of year, that puts a lot of additional pressure on yourself that you have to fix your roommate, you have to fix your friend. And that's not the case. You, if if you've got the relationship and rapport built with that person, you absolutely can have a conversation with them that says, listen, I'm noticing these things, you know, what can we do together? Do we need to, you know, and that gets into your other question of like things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Can we go take a walk? Can we go get something to eat? Can we, um, read something together can we listen to this podcast you know um I think that there's um things that they can do with these people to encourage and support them but I don't want anyone to hear this and feel like they have to be the answer for solving the mental health of someone else Mm -hmm. it's very important because I think that that has come up in my classes like okay well I have this friend and I'm really concerned and it's a change in behavior and and it may even be to the point where the person is is um displaying some suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. self-harming behaviors that they're saying that they want to harm themselves so they just wish they weren't here and mm-hmm. and some triggering things that to a friend can be really alarming mm-hmm. I think that you seek help and you seek support for your friend but you don't become a mental health counselor mm-hmm. You are a student, you are a daughter, you are a friend, but you are not a mental health counselor, yeah. right? And and know that and have good boundaries and support your friend through what they're going through, but you can't take on the role of a mental health yeah. provider when you are not trained to do that. Yeah, like it's important to do research and everything, but sort of keep... Lead them yeah. in the direction. Mm-hmm. Lead your friend in the right direction. Be there to support them in that direction and let the professionals do their job. Mm-hmm. Because when you try to do your job, you get burnt out mm-hmm. because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so what's a common misconception about mental health? I think I started talking about that a little bit already. I'm jumping the gun, but it's yeah. okay. I really am all about people understanding the difference between mental health and mental disorders. Okay? Mental health. We all have mental health. Good quote. <laughs> quote that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We all have mental health. Right. Like we said, right now we are, it's, it's a Friday and this library is very busy for Friday. You know why? Because next week's is finals. Mm-hmm. Final research papers are due. Final papers are due. Um, in the psychology department, we have our pros to presentations on Monday that students are getting ready for. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work to be done right now. Yeah. And people are anxious, mm-hmm. especially uh, freshmen. Oh, yeah. This is the first time that yeah. they're going through this. This is like, OK, you know, the transition to get back home and to get mm-hmm. done and have that final grade. It's a lot. You got through your first year. You know, there's a lot of pressure right now. Um, and then if you struggled at all through this semester, your your anxiety has increased at this mm-hmm. time because you need those final grades to be good. Yeah. To pass a class. To to not come home and tell your parents that, you know, you failed one class or you got a D scholarships. You can't, you know, if you're an athlete, the pressure on there and faculty members, Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of grading to do right now. okay? and they're giving us a deadline of when this has to be in for seniors, when Mm -hmm. transfer students have to have things in. So we are all as a campus feeling this pressure Mm -hmm. that impacts our mental health. 
that impacts our sleeping, that impacts the way we're eating. I'm eating junk right now because I don't have time to meal prep the way I would when I'm not so stressed out with the level of assignments I have to grade and the things I have to do. I know that it's a, a certain level of time until I can get back on a good sleeping and eating and, and an exercise routine, but right now is not the time, right? So the common misconception is this idea that identifying that you are going through some anxious behaviors or you're feeling sad or there's an increase in your worry or anxiety, there's an increase in your guilt that it, that immediately assumes that you're diagnosed with anxiety. It's normal to be anxious. It's normal mm-hmm. because we, if it wasn't normal, this whole campus wouldn't be going through it. So you're not alone as you sit and you're in your dorm room and you're struggling with how to get these papers done, how to balance all of these things. You've dropped the ball on something. Mm-hmm. I've done that all week. I'm supposed to be at seven places at one time and I can't because I'm one person. And you have the kids. Uh, and I have two children, yeah. right? And a husband that want me to be home at a certain time. I was at, I was on campus last night till about 930 mm-hmm. at an event and then here again this morning. We all are going through it. Mm-hmm. That's our mental health. That is us checking in on this idea that we know this is a difficult time and there'll be some struggles with our mental health, our brain and how it's functioning right now. The diagnosis is separate. You really qualifying for a DSM diagnosis of anxiety, depression is a different ballgame. And that comes from a professional, right? And so understand that difference and understand that misconception that you're not crazy, quote unquote, because you are struggling with your mental health. We all at times in our lives, times in our day, times in our semester struggle with our mental health. And it's normal. It is normal. Yes. You want to bring that all in with culture? Yeah. So I always want to have students being mindful of how race, ethnicity, gender, Mm -hmm. uh, sexual orientation, um, religious beliefs, nationality, Mm -hmm. how these various identities that we hold can have an impact on our mental health depending on how they are viewed in the uh, spaces that we occupy. Mm -hmm. So in the space of Stonehill, how do students that have a certain identity feel Mm -hmm. before we even get to finals? Are they supported on this campus? Do they feel like they have a community where they feel comfortable and when they're vulnerable or need support, they know where to go to? Mm -hmm. Is the Office of Intercultural Affairs, the only identified space for everyone Mm -hmm. and every piece of identity? Is that fair? Is that what we really want? And how does that have a role and impact on the mental health, that that worry, anxiety, depression, um, guilt, shame, um, procrastination? um, How does that play a role into what those students struggle with? Mm -hmm. If there's only one hub and one space for everyone to go to or one identified space for everyone to go to that struggles with that has one a piece or more of these different identities I think we're doing a disservice mm-hmm. right and again like I've already said I don't my feeling at Stonehill right now with in terms of mental health is that the health and wellness department along with counseling services does not want that to be the case mm-hmm. And that there have been, that there's money behind an initiative behind making a change with that. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm excited to see how that kind of impacts the culture on campus with mental health, but how it also trickled down to someone's uh, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. how it trickles down to um, the LGBTQ community, how it trickles down to Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. How do those students have a voice or have a, have um, some say in how their mental health is separately affected on this campus? Is there is there room for that? Are we going to have that dialogue? So it's just kind of like a wait and see, but I'm excited to see, you know, that there's money behind it and there's an initiative. And that that, that shows me that administration understands that this is important mm-hmm. because then they wouldn't put the money behind it. Um, and so the, how do we make sure that everyone has a seat at the table and everyone feels heard? All set. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of uh, jumping back, like, what are some tips that students can use to improve and also uh, address their mental health? Yes, but let's 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 tie this back up. Health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a department on campus that is built to do this. Mm-hmm. So while I love to promote the things that I'm doing, I'm first going to start with health and wellness and talk about the many, many, many activities throughout the semester that I, as a faculty member, make sure that I promote in my classes. But I think that faculty and administration can do a better job at not just promoting these things via email because students get bogged down with emails, right? When you get 17 emails before you even wake up and look at your phone and it's like all these events to go to and there's this singing thing and there's a concert here and then there's this mental health, it's overwhelming. Because you're trying to sort through, okay, what's a professor telling me I need to have a test? Or what's a professor telling me this? Or which ones are really important? Mm-hmm. We've got to find a different way to have access to these students. And I think that faculty, what I've found is me actually promoting it in my class makes a difference. Yeah, like uh, I know a bunch of people do like extra credit stuff. Like yes, that. yes. Yeah. that all And that all works. And I, I think that, you know, it's funny you say that the extra credit piece. I th- think that's wonderful. But I also want students to get in the mindset of caring about your own yep. mental health without it being a part and attached to your grade in a class. Yeah. Um, in previous semesters in multicultural, I've definitely offered extra credit. And I had to I purposely was mindful to not do that this semester mm-hmm. because the things that I'm promoting are for you. Yep. And the things that I'm promoting are directly linked to students complaints about what the campus doesn't offer. And sometimes the campus offers it, but you're in your dorm Mm -hmm. and you have to get up and get out and seek that support that's given to you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these things are feeding you. And I tell you, as administrators, we don't know what else to do. It's like, okay, we've got the food. They're saying they want more support. They're saying, you know, faculty need to talk about this more. The, The administration needs to do this more. And then health and wellness will do it. And it's like 20 students show up. Yeah. It's very disappointing. It's very, (laughs) and you can speak to that because you had, um, what was the day that you guys had consent day? Got consent. Mm -hmm. You worked very hard on that. You worked very hard. I loved your flyers. I took all your extra flyers because you know what I'm going to do on my mental health board that's outside of my office that I'm going to be promoting all that information. And, and I can tell you that students complain that these things are not happening, but they are, they are. So maybe they overlooked that email. Or the 17 that she sent out yep. <laughs> because she's she bombards, right? Because she wants students to come. But 
But if you if you overlook that and at least on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you have class, your, mm-hmm. your professor is saying, hey, by the way, there are these things going on on campus. You guys should check it out. Nudge. nudge. A little nudge. Yeah. Right. Maybe not extra credit, but a little nudge. Yeah. So the answer to that, I think that campus, you could start at health and wellness. Yep. My office is um, in the Shields building, 213. I am this summer working on a mental health board, and I will be absolutely taking a lot of information from health and wellness, and it's just another location mm-hmm. to streamline the events that are going on in campus, how to have access to counseling services, um, looking at symptoms of depression, anxiety, tips for healthy relationships and boundaries, things that my students have been working on this semester. Yeah. But I also think just to plug in self-care, mm-hmm. daily exercise, journaling, going to therapy, deep breathing exercises, staying organized. At this time, this is the easy time. If you look around your room right now, this is the time when we're not doing our laundry, right? Where our cars look a mess, Mm -hmm. where we're eating junk because that's the fastest thing to kind of grab. Mm -hmm. And sometimes doing a a check-in on your, your, just your environment, cleaning out your bag, cleaning out your purse, cleaning your car Mm -hmm. can alleviate some of that. Right. And it could be a 15 minute activity before you get out of your car. Just take a trash bag and kind of get all that stuff out or take go through your purse and throw away the receipts and things that you have in there. I think that promoting kind of staying organized at the most stressful times is critically important. Yeah. And like self-care is also a very interesting topic because people are like, yeah, I can watch a Netflix show for like an hour and like procrastinate. Like, no, 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 no. Procrastination is not self care, right? (laughs) Netflix, you want to do that after finals, right? You reward yourself and say to yourself, okay, that show that I wanted to watch, I'm going to watch that when I finish this paper. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can do that. Reward yourself with the things that you want. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't binge and watch all eight episodes, but say to yourself, okay, I'm going to get three episodes when I finish these five pages. Then, then reward yourself and even have the ice cream. I'm all about it. Have the ice cream. Or if you're not an ice cream, lactose intolerant, take a walk, right? Go take a walk. Have your water with cucumber and lemon, whatever it is that you need to do. <laughs> that's healthy. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say ice cream because that's my thing right now. So, like, you can splurge a little bit. Like, that. this is my time to splurge, so. Yeah. Oh, sleep. Absolutely. Sleep is a good one. Um, making sure that we're getting our eight hours because mm-hmm. students, are, yeah, it's no way. It, no. It, what are they getting? Four, right? Maybe. Like three. <laughs> All that caffeine and Red Bull. Oh, my goodness. Red Bull. Stay away from it right now. It helps you to keep going, though, right? I don't use it. Yeah, but you see students. Oh, like, yeah. that's like the, the quick buy. Yeah. Red Bull or those. Are students still using those, like, energy shots? Five, yeah crazy oh my gosh those are not good <laughs> sorry those don't you don't don't drink that <laughs> so some tips uh the self-care yeah self-care um walking daily exercise journaling therapy don't be afraid to use it using positive self-talk mm. stop putting yourself down students sometimes are the worst for themselves like worth advocate yeah like i've had students in my office in tears and they're like i just feel so bad i'm like are you getting that from your parents? Uh, are your friends saying that? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, so you're making this all up. This is all in your mind. Like yeah. you're actually doing well. Yeah. You're not doing bad. You're doing well. And, and things are going well. You're just getting overwhelmed because it's the time that we're in. Um, and so I can practice that self-talk for you, but you have to do that at home. You can't, or in your room, you can't 
be the one in your mind kind of doing all that negative talk Mm -hmm. because you really buy into it and think that, and it, it, it creates that worthlessness. Mm -hmm. It creates that hopelessness. And if you want to change that, you start with your mind. You start to talk positive to yourself, break things down into smaller steps, break things down into small activities. Like I said, instead of feeling like, okay, I can't do anything that I love right now. I have to shut myself out to the world. Okay. Get that paper done and then reward yourself with the things that you love. Mm -hmm. Right. But have some, some balance to it instead Mm -hmm. of kind of isolating yourself from all of your friends and family and the things that you once enjoyed, you know, do a little bit of this and then you can, can do a little bit after. Hang out with your good friends. Yeah. (laughs) Hard. Like everyone, like some people might need that. Like, a. Attention or like affirmations or like affirmations. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do their own thing. So it's hard for people who need that reinsurance to get that from themselves. Affirmations are all in my office. I think I live by affirmations and I'm glad you just said that because if you come into my office, this this is only affirmations around my wall, a couple of pictures for my kids, but like mostly affirmations. Mm -hmm. Um, because walking into a positive space when I'm overwhelmed is important. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I know I probably can spend an hour organizing my office, and that is not getting done till after finals. Yeah. But not doing that is is making me walk in and I look at the mess. Yeah. I look at the grade. I look at these portfolios that I'm not mm-hmm. done grading. I look at um, my psychotherapy practicum class and the work that they have to that I have to grade for them and. It can be overwhelming, especially when I'm walking into a cluttered space. Mm-hmm. So um, now I am going to clean my office because yeah. <laughs> I made myself feel bad <laughs> through the negative talk. I made myself feel bad. I'm going to go clean my office because I know on Monday when I walk in, I'll be able to take a deep breath oh, differently yeah. mm-hmm. than if I walk into that mess. Yeah. We kind of already talked about the last two questions, like what does seeking help look like for a college student and how can a loved one or like a friend support uh, someone with the mental illness. Yeah. And please, you know, with both of these, I feel like, you know, we've talked about these in my classes. So Mm -hmm. please feel free to jump in and, and support what I'm saying or add your, your opinion to it. I think that seeking help looks different for different people. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and your culture, um, in my class, we talked about, we talk about culture and people that come from a collectivist community mm-hmm. and what seeking help really looks like in that community may be different than what, um, an individualistic community kind of looks like. It, the individualistic community may be more of a, may have more of an approach of going and seeking out individual therapy, but in a collectivist community, it's, Talking to someone might be the opposite of what you want to do. You want to mm-hmm. keep that information within the family. You don't want to really have people in your private affairs or your private business is what they may call it. Um, and as a mental health provider, being mindful that when you do have someone coming from a community like that for help, mm-hmm. that that's a huge deal. That's a that's a big step and it needs to be celebrated and and encouraged and supported as how difficult and challenging that may be. Mm-hmm. I think on this campus, you know, we have counseling services, but a lot of times, like you said, the RAs, RDs, peer mentors, faculty become that first line of defense before someone gets the comfort or the courage mm-hmm. to walk in through counseling services. Mm-hmm. Um you know, also in my class, which we, I know that before my students kind of made this aware to me, I never really thought about it. We had a talk about mental health a couple of weeks back and 
a few of the students pointed out that our counseling services department mm-hmm. is within campus ministry mm-hmm. and what that means um, religiously mm-hmm. to someone that might be in a space where they're seeking out mental health services, but feeling that that's going against their religious belief or feeling that the religious piece of it has an implication on kind of their mental health and feeling comfortable to walk in tying it back to like when you seek support, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the students were like, yeah, you know, people may not feel comfortable going in there just because of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And never, never did I think about that. And I've been in there a couple of times and never was I like, oh, this is, I thought like, you know, it seemed kind of peaceful, yeah. right? <laughs> like that was, yeah. you know, that was my, cause it's very like serene and quiet mm-hmm. when I've gone through there, but I never, it just didn't dawn on me. Yeah. Some people already have like anxieties about religion. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And again, speaking to students, that was awesome to hear that and and be mindful of that. Um, because I think that those, someone that would have an impact, that that would impact them, now what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Are they seeking services off of campus? Is there a way to get them access to off-campus counseling other than having to walk into counseling services and get their list of referrals? Is there a way that, you know, faculty members, health and wellness, someone else could have this list of referrals for students to that don't feel comfortable even walking into counseling services? Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, other things that maybe we can do that might come out of the Jed Foundation's research of our campus that might be helpful for students that don't walk through that door, that you know? Maybe like a back entrance or just like another smaller location something maybe maybe you know i know locations are tight here and then um the last question where you were talking about uh supporting someone Mm -hmm. okay so listen students it is not it it is not your job to be a mental health provider Mm -hmm. supporting someone and taking on their mental health are are two different things Mm -hmm. support what that would look like is maybe if they wanted you to walk with them to counseling services Maybe if they if they wanted you to be there when they had a difficult conversation with a significant partner, with their parents, with a friend, they wanted you there for support. They wanted to take a walk and they want someone to be there with them. They want to um, go to get something to eat and eating is difficult for them and they want you there for support with them. That's wonderful. That is that is the level of friendship that is as natural and and seems okay seems appropriate Mm -hmm. to do in the context of helping someone through kind of their mental health or their mental disorder. Mm -hmm. Being the one to lead an intervention, like, cause this is, I've had people come to me about this, like, Oh, you know, I want to do this intervention. Like, uh, no. And not that, um, having conversations with friends because you care about them and support them isn't important. That's great. Mm -hmm. But the way in which you do that conversation that doesn't make a person feel like you're, you're, attacking their mental health or attacking their mental um, diagnosis if they have one is very different and and it's a very fine line. So I think it's a tough question, but I think that um, as a student with your friends, roommates, family, Mm -hmm. you know, neighbors, making sure you have good boundaries and making sure your support feels comfortable for you. When the support stops feeling comfortable for the student, then you know the mental health is now seeping over to you. When someone's anxiety um, or someone's presentation of anxiety-type symptoms or presentation of depression is now causing you to feel overwhelmed, 
depressed, anxious, sad, then there's an issue. There's, there's a boundary issue and that for yourself, you need to step back and try to address that. Um, one of my students did a, um, healthy boundaries pamphlet that'll be outside of my office um, come the fall. And it was really awesome because she talked about, she really, I think it came from um, her own experiences over the four years of dealing with multiple roommates. I mean, you guys have these suites and there's sometimes like 12 girls in them. Like to think that there's going to be all wonderful relationships is just bizarre, right? Because that's not going to happen. And so there's going to be this process where you're learning how to have healthy conversations, have limits, set boundaries, be able to communicate with each other what those boundaries and limits are and not make yourself feel guilty because you're setting positive limits for yourself. Yeah, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. It's actually a wonderful tool. Yes, yes. But sometimes it's it's a process for you to learn to be comfortable with, with the perception of someone of you. You cannot change the way people perceive you but you absolutely can change the way you present yourself. So if you can't change the people around you, you just have to change the people around you, right? Your goal is to always present yourself the way that you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. If someone's perception of you is changed because you're now setting limits for yourself, I hate to tell you this, but that probably is just not the best friendship for you Mm -hmm. when someone's judging you because you're doing the things that's right for you. And sometimes that the real change becomes that we have to change those people that are around us because they're not as supportive for us. And that's very hard for you college students to do because we want to be friends with everybody and we want to be nice to everybody and we want, we don't want anyone to not like us. You're going to graduate with three friends and you're going to stick with those three and it's going to be one. fine. Maybe one. Maybe the one you think is it getting oh, that low? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you have two really close friends. You only talk to one on a daily basis. Maybe. And that's like good, right? Yeah. You got this suite of six to 12 people? No, they're not all coming with you after yeah. this, right? And you and you can respect everyone and respect mm-hmm. our differences, but we may not be best friends and may not be um, close after this. It's kind of when you see those people that like have like, like all of their high school friends they still talk to and That's they're scary. like, yeah, I'm like, what's wrong? I'm like, what's going on with you? Well, this was fun. Yeah, Thank you well, so much for having me. I hope I answered all your questions. Yeah, you did. Well, I hope everyone has a lovely day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a nice one.